I'm Todd Miller from Podcast Experts. Today, we're talking about debt and the various ways it can impact your life if you don't or are unable to manage it effectively. But first, I'd like to give you a quick definition of what debt is. Debt is an obligation that requires one party, the debtor, to pay money or agreed upon value to another party, the creditor. Debt is a deferred payment or series of payments which differentiates it from an immediate purchase. So an example of an immediate purchase would be you walk up to a store, you grab something and you pay with debit or cash, end of the transaction. When I was younger, we had something called layaway, and it was wonderful. It prevented you from receiving the item immediately, so there was definitely some built-in motivation to pay it off so that you could get the item as soon as possible. Today, with this different kind of debt structure, we have instant gratification, which can also lead to more debt. For some, it's kind of like a high. Where we get into trouble, though, is when we can't pay the, the value of the item back. So this will be a podcast series that is loaded with great advice. And what we want to do above all things is leave you with a sense of hope if you happen to recognize yourself in this discussion. Joining me today to talk about debt and some of the warning signs is Shelley Coley, a licensed insolvency trustee from Dethode and Associates in Vancouver, British Columbia. Welcome, Shelley. Hello. Nice to talk to you, Todd. So I do want to stress that some of the information that we're going to be talking about today is really specific to the province of British Columbia. So if you're not in BC, please seek out the assistance of a licensed trustee locally. Shelley, um, I'm curious, how long have you been involved in debt resolution? And I really want to know what fills your cup from helping people in these precarious financial situations? Okay, so I started in this industry about 20 years ago, maybe a little longer than that. So it's been quite a long time. And one thing that I've learned from doing this job for so long is that debt problems can happen to anyone, any economic level, any family situation, from a single mom on assistance to a physician. And one of the things that I've learned is when you're helping people, you get a lot of thanks back. And so that really fills my cup. I can offer them a solution to the financial difficulty that they're facing and the stress and, you know, the lack of sleep that they're getting, all of that type of stuff. It really makes me feel good that I can give them a solution so that they can carry on with their life and put it all behind them. That's really fantastic. Being involved in someone's life to that degree. And, you know, I think one of the things that you've probably seen over the years is that you've had many success stories, but it started with a place of shame and a place of, of embarrassment. And they've had to come and... and open their soul to you and open their, their checkbook in, in many respects and let you look at their situation so that you could plot a, a course forward? I think so. And I think the emotional stress that people go through when they are carrying debt really ranges depending on the type of person we're dealing with. However, one thing is very true is that that shame comes into it. And it's often just as if someone is going through a grieving process and at the end of that grieving process, they come to an acceptance mm. and that's when they're able to deal with their debt. That's when they become ready 
to understand the severity of it and do something about it. So that's normally when they call me. Be interesting to go back and look at the seven stages of grief as plotted out through this process, because I think it would be uh, there would be a lot of correlation to to that process. And I seem I assume that you've seen many success stories over the years, and we'll likely touch on some of the highlights throughout this podcast series. But what I really mm-hmm. want to touch upon today is we're getting we're we're full into the Christmas season, and you know, no fault of their own, most people want to make it the perfect Christmas, and whether that means hosting family and having the right decorations and the perfect food and drink. To some, it can mean the perfect gift, and that sometimes translates into a dollar value. Yes. And, and it can also be a time where we potentially are facing a lot of month at the end of the money, where we've gotten to mid-December, mid-January, and we're, we're out of money. Have you found that to be true, that, that people run out of money during this time of year? I think so, and I think there's a lot of pressure for people to you know, maybe buy something that they really can't afford. And my best recommendation for people, now it's a little too late for this year, of course, but for next year, make a list of every person you need to purchase a a present for and actually write down a dollar amount beside each name so that when you go shopping, you are focused on the gifts that fall within that range And start thinking about this in September. Don't wait until December 15th because when we're panic buying or we're stressed because we've left it to the last minute, we're more likely to buy something that's out of our budget than not. And often if we're paying with these items with a credit card, because we don't have to pull the cash out of our bank account or our wallet, we tend to spend more because we can worry about it later. We can worry about it in January. So I I think people have to really plan for these things. And that includes the meal and the drink because all of those costs, I know my grocery bill is higher in December. It's funny you you sound like my sister. <laughs> she she starts shopping in September, and I and that's not necessarily to avoid the panic of the season. I think she's just more organized and wants just enjoys the relief that it's done early. But the other thing that you said that was interesting was by using credit, we, we can worry about it later, but it's almost like it's invisible. You Do you know what yes. I mean? It's like you've made that purchase yeah. and the bill isn't coming due for some time and it's almost out of, out of sight, out of mind. It is. And there's no immediate pain by pulling out the credit card. Mm. And Someone who's in that state is really just going, oh, I've got this fantastic gift. I'm not going to worry about the cost. Right. We're good for this. Right. And yeah. And we'll worry about it later. And then comes the regret when the bill comes in. So. Each situation is different, obviously, but what we're trying to do here, um, I guess, for next year and, and, you know, even raise awareness this year is that we don't want people waking up with a debt hangover in January. So I'd like to touch upon some of the warning signs of financial difficulties, and perhaps we can talk about some examples for each. And at the very end of this discussion, we're going to talk about next steps to get them on a path to financial freedom. Okay. So we we sort of touched on it, overusing credit. Can we talk a little bit about overusing? credit? Sure. When I think of overusing credit, I think when a person goes to pay their bills 
whether it be in the middle of the month, end of the month, after they've completed those payments, they now don't have the cash flow to go and buy their groceries or other necessities. That means they are carrying a balance. They are possibly impulse buying Mm. and they're possibly only able to make the minimum payments on their credit cards. So those are all big warning signs that you're you're going down the path of trouble. But yeah, if you're carrying that balance, it, it can be really tough. So we talked about impulse buying. That's that's one big warning sign of using credit is, you know, like you said, you see something. So does that potentially mean that, that you walk up somewhere and you're shopping and you see something, you, you see the 65 inch big screen TV and you have a 55 at home, but is, mm-hmm. is that is that a sign that you potentially buy something you don't need, but you want? Yes, yes. And, and, and it can be a big purchase item like that, or it can even be at the grocery store. Mm. So if you've got somebody on a really tight budget, um, you know, they're living paycheck to paycheck. If they go to the grocery store and their budget for that shop is a hundred bucks, but they spend a hundred and fifty, and every time they go shopping, that happens. It doesn't need to be this big, huge thousand dollar purchase. Right. It can be just these little purchases over and over and over again over time mm. that builds up that credit card. I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. That's all well and good, but what about all these wonderful reward programs we get with credit cards where we get <laughs> cash back and we get miles and all this wonderful stuff? Yeah. Doesn't that doesn't that offset the risk of using the credit? I mean, come on, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can t- I can say personally, I use my credit card for as many things that I possibly can. However, I'm only using it for stuff that I would normally pay cash for. So when I get the bill, I'm able to pay it off in full every month. My bank doesn't like me because I don't pay interest. Now, the problem is when you're making those purchases and you think, oh, I'm getting the visa points. Oh, I'm getting Mm -hmm. um, the rewards, the cash back, but you aren't paying, um, able to pay it off right away. The interest cost that you have to pay is much higher than any reward you're going to get. Okay, we're going to talk about minimum monthly payments in a second. Yeah. So, payday loans. First of all, I'm not sure everybody knows what a payday loan. Can you briefly tell us what a payday loan is? And and where do you sure. get one? Do you go to your bank to get one? No. So, those are... Um, you know, places like Money Mart, Cash Money, um, the places that you find in the strip malls in your town. So you go in, you need a hundred bucks, for example, they'll give you a hundred dollars and then you sign over to them a pre-authorized payment agreement. So on your next payday, they will take their hundred dollar payment back plus their charge and interest, Mm. which is usually quite high. The problem that a lot of people face with payday loans is when they get to the next payday and the financial institution draws their money, you're now left short for that payday. So you reborrow the money and it becomes this vicious cycle. So a simple example would be they borrow $100 and let's say they pay back $125. Next yes. month, they go to make a $100 payment and they're 25 short, so they take another payday loan, then they're down, what, 50? And it keeps growing as simple as that? They keep yes. paying that interest every month. 
Yes. Wow. And then often I see once they've done one payday loan with one company, they're often have multiple. So it's not usually just I've taken one loan from Money Mart. They've got maybe five different payday loans going on and the costs are just outrageous. So, so potentially they could be uh, using one to pay the debt of another and then doing a third to pay yes. the second and it just spirals out of control yeah. very quickly. Yes. And now a lot of these payday loan companies are offering um, term loans. However, the interest rates that you're paying through a place like Money Mart or Cash Money is so much higher than a bank or, you know, a bank loan or a line of credit. Mm. But, you know, not everybody qualifies for a regular loan or that, a regular line of credit. That is true. So the bigger mm-hmm. the bigger issue is, is looking at the banking situation and finding a, a working credit model for people that, that are having a more difficult go at it. Yes. And we touched upon this earlier, making minimum monthly payments. So whatever it is, I mean, I can't remember, is it 3% of the balance or something? It's really quite small. And it is. what's the danger there? The danger is when people only focus on, I can afford the minimum monthly payment. Mm-hmm. Credit card companies are now required to put on the statement if you only make the minimum payment, this is how long it will take you to pay off your debt, presuming that you don't use your credit card again. And oftentimes people are shocked that it could take 10 years or 15 years or 30 years to pay off that debt if you're only paying the minimum payment. The problem is the only people that are getting any benefit from you making the minimum minimum payment is the bank. That's how they make their money. Mm. And they want you to only make the minimum payment if at, at all possible. And you will find if you are have a credit card, you're making the minimum payments each month, you're being really good at keeping your payments up to date, you will start getting credit card offers from other financial institutions in the mail that you haven't asked for. Everyone wants on that bandwagon. Everyone wants to make that money from you. I've seen those. They show up and it says, you're pre-approved for X amount of dollars. Yes. And it's a financial institution I've never dealt with. Correct. And lo and behold, it shows up. They've seen your credit report and they see that you've been really good at making your payments. So you've probably got a, a decent credit rating, but they're also seeing that you're not paying your balances off. Mm. Right. So so you're actually making money for that bank. <laughs> so so I know it sounds crazy. That's more information I thought I'd share today because, yeah, I do sometimes carry a balance. But sure. The next warning sign that uh, some of us are familiar with is uh, you've missed some payments and then uh, potentially you get a notification, uh, you know, that there's some collection action being taken sure. against you. The first step usually um, when you miss one payment, especially if you've had a history of being really good with your payments, is the bank may give you a quick call or you might get a letter in the bank saying, hey, you've missed a payment. After 90 days, it will usually get sent off to a a third-party collection agency. Mm. That's when you're going to face problems. These are the guys that like to call you at five o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock at night, demanding payment in full. And 
that's when your situation becomes extremely stressful. And I have heard through various people that they will call you at work because they've been unable to find you through other methods. The biggest thing they will do is they will call you at work because they want to add that extra layer of stress that your employer is going to find out. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that your wages cannot be garnished without a court order. Mm, okay. So that collector telling you, I'm going to call your employer and I'm just going to start garnishing your wages. They can't do that. They need a, a court order to do it. However, the stress of them phoning your employer gets people believing anything that they say. And I guess this could also lead to potential credit rating changes, making it harder for yes. you in the future to get other forms of credit. Correct, or okay. even consolidate the debt. Right. So once you're once you're in collections, you know your rating's already taken a hit. Okay. Income tax issues. Um, oh yes, that's uh, that's a tough one because um, you know most people you know that are employed get tax held back. At the end of the year, they get a nice return. But then there are self-employed people that have a, a, a unique set of challenges with the government. Yes. Yeah. So let's say you're a small business person, a sole proprietor, let's say a carpenter, for example, or a painter, somebody like that, and they are carrying on, maybe they're setting aside money every month to cover their taxes for the year, but then they have an emergency happen in their life, and they have to dip into that money that they've set aside for their taxes. The problem is once you're behind, once you've used that money and you file your taxes the next year, you don't have the money to pay your your tax debt. If it carries on, it's very difficult to get caught up again. So what happens is these guys would be, say, trying to pay their back taxes and they're no longer able to set aside for the current year. So it just snowballs over time. Um, if they get behind at all. So when you're self-employed, it's really, really important to be able to budget for the tax installment payments. Mm. And CRA also has the ability to do a lot of things that other creditors can't. For example, they do not need a court order to go and freeze your bank account. Whereas a bank cannot go into another financial institution and take money without a court order. CRA doesn't have that problem. They can seize your bank accounts. They can put send letters to your customers and say, pay us instead of the proprietor, the business. Wow. So your business can fail very, very fast if you get into trouble with Revenue Canada. Sounds like a complex issue for another another day for sure. Mm-hmm. What about the role of savings? If we have savings or we've used those, um, that's a big warning sign, I guess. I've heard, you know, when I took a money management course in high school, they always said, oh, put away three months of your salary for a rainy day or for emergencies. But yes. not a lot of people are able to do that. No, and I think it comes down to cost of living and 
and all sorts of things. And that's definitely a big issue in the Vancouver area. Um, rents are really high. Mortgages are really high. But the bottom line is if you do not have any savings, if you have an emergency or even things like a car repair bill, if you don't have money set aside, you're going to rely on credit to cover your emergencies. And a large car repair bill can be enough to start you down the path of no return. If you're somebody, for example, that lives paycheck to paycheck, you know, really tight budget, and you've got a $2,000 car repair bill, for example, that can really put a lot of stress on your, on your finances for the month. Every payday that you have to make payment to that credit card, you're taking away from maybe your grocery bill or your, you know, other expenses that you have through the month. So you end up using the credit card again. We've reached the end of this discussion. We have one more point to talk about, and it's yes. it's a big one, and it's avoidance. Uh-huh. And it's I can understand that avoiding the situation is a natural impulse for people. They don't want to see the true picture, so they avoid the calls. Why is this a critical step not to avoid interaction with your creditors? Well, I think the amount of stress and anxiety that someone has where they get to the point where they can't even open their mail anymore or look at their emails or answer their phone anymore, that's going to start impacting their work, their sleep, their relationships. And I think at that point, you really need to take a step to get some help, get some advice on where you're at. And that is coming back to the grieving process, getting to that acceptance point where you say, okay, I'm in trouble and I need some help. And it's okay that I need help. There are options out there to deal with this. And there are professionals that are out there that are not going to judge you. They're going to understand where you're at and they're going to help you. And it feels very much like that grieving process. You've lost control of the situation, which is in fact true. But mm-hmm. but getting someone like you involved is really beneficial because it's going to be giving them some control back over the situation. Right. It, it does. And it gives them, like I said earlier, a solution to the problem. And the amount of relief that people have, usually after their first meeting with me, they usually say, why didn't I come in sooner? Mm. Why was I so scared to get advice? Why was I so scared to talk to somebody about this? And I think the fear is that I'm going to judge them and I'm not. This can happen to anybody. You know, nobody's exempt from having, you know, uh, something happen in their life which causes them to get into debt. Nobody's exempt from it. And I'm certainly not going to judge you. I'm going to try to help you figure out the best option to deal with it. And, and that's the way we started off where you talked about it can happen to anyone from what you've learned. So having more money at your disposal doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be more financially viable or responsible. In fact, no. as you've learned, it can lead to bigger problems. Yeah, and it's just all relative. You know, a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, somebody like that, they go through divorces, they go through job loss, they go through illness, just like anybody else. Right. So these are all reasons or contributing factors to someone getting into financial difficulty. You know, it's not just overspending. It's 
you know, they maybe they got injured or maybe they got sick or maybe their partner died or, you know, there's so many reasons why people need our help and all of those contributing factors, nobody's exempt from them. So next steps, anyone in British Columbia that wants to, has listened to this and realized that potentially they're, they're, they're at risk for some of these things and they want to uh, nip it in the bud, as they say, what's the next step for someone uh-huh. listening? How do they reach out to um, you? They can check our website out at uh, outofdebt.ca. They can call our office and we can arrange to have a telephone consultation to discuss their situation. My uh, number is 604-336-9533. But check out our website. There's lots of information on there and reach out if you have any questions or want to have a chat. Outofdebt.ca, easy to remember. I hope many people in British Columbia take advantage of this wonderful service. Shelley Coley, licensed insolvency trustee from Dethode and Associates in Vancouver, British Columbia. Thank you very much for taking part of your day to chat with me uh, about debt, and I'm sure we'll be continuing the conversation in the future. Thanks, Todd. I'm Todd Miller from Podcast Experts.